Well, good morning and Merry Christmas, Faith family. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing well? Uh, let me just say it is just so good to see you here this morning. We were, we were thinking as a, um, as a, as a staff uh, that today would probably be a, a, a light day as far as attendance goes. And uh, I look around the room and, and it's just so amazing to see all of you here today. Uh, it certainly doesn't look light this morning. And Linnell and I were even talking about as we were singing those Christmas carols how beautiful it was. We could hear the voices being, you know, just singing praises to God and, and just worshiping Jesus. And it was such a sweet spirit. And so it's so good to see you here this morning. How many of you are glad to be here this morning? Amen. Amen. I can't think of a better place to be here this morning. I know for some of the kids, they're probably ready to get back to the house as quick as we can. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's just awesome to be able to come and just worship Jesus today. And, uh, and, and I, I just wouldn't want to have it any other way. Uh, last night, I want to just echo what Spence was saying in that we did have just a beautiful Christmas Eve service. I know many of you were here. I saw some of you here last night uh, for that service, but we had an opportunity to just gather together. It was a very, uh, very reverent time together as we broke bread together and, and participated in the Lord's Supper, partook on the, in the Lord's Supper last night together as a faith family, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. But this morning, we're going to continue to celebrate Jesus uh, by looking at another one of the characteristics uh, of Christ or one of his attributes, uh, this series, Share the Season, has been about walking through and just sort of theologically looking and examining the scriptures uh, to, to taking a look at the, the characteristics of Christ or the attributes of Christ Jesus. And that's what we have hoped to accomplish because our desire and our prayer is, is that through the series we would know him more. And so this morning, we're going to continue to do that. Now, uh, on January the 8th, we're going to launch a new series, and I'm really looking forward to this. It's sort of a, a continuation of what we've been walking through, but it's called Thy Kingdom Come. And I'm looking forward to that one. We're going to be launching that and just talking about the kingdom of God, and, and it's, it's going to be a really good time. But I want to pray for us this morning, and then we're going to dive into God's Word together as we continue to worship Him. Pray with me, if you will, this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for this day, and we thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we have to gather today on a day that we call Christmas to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, how wonderful it is to gather together with a faith family and, and Lord, just reflect on exactly what the meaning of Christmas is all about. And so, Father, this morning we have done that. We have gathered in this place to worship you, to celebrate Jesus with you, and just thank you for every opportunity that we have to do so, Lord, as the body of Christ. Father, I pray that today as we continue to dive into your word and, and continue to think about all the things that, that Jesus is to us and what he means to us, Father, I pray that you would speak deeply into our hearts and God, that we would be challenged, we would be encouraged, we would just be sanctified by your presence in this place. So Father, help us to set aside every distraction that may exist in our life right now. God, may we be intent on hearing you. Father, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. While preparing his book, God is the Gospel, John Piper, 
he asked himself this question. The question that he was pondering was, why is it that the good news is so good? Now, I I know that probably may sound a little bit like a silly question, but he was really thinking about the complexities of the gospel. And we know that the gospel is that good news that we have concerning who Christ is. And so as he was preparing to write this book, he, he was thinking about that very question. Why is it that in Scripture we would see so many times that the gospel or the message of Christ or the message of the cross is seen as good news? And what is it exactly about the good news that makes it so good? You know, a lot of us would probably jump to conclusions if we were to start thinking about that question. Maybe for some of us, we would think about the goodness of forgiveness. And we would be very grateful and thankful for the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus. And so that would certainly be something that that we would celebrate as believers or followers of Christ. But another thing might be the, the fact that through Christ Jesus, we have been kept away from the wrath of God. That may be something that we think about, the good news being so good. It may be that our hearts and our minds immediately go to to thoughts of eternal life and what time in heaven might look like for us. And so uh, heaven may be that part of the gospel that makes it so good for us. Maybe it's freedom from our sins. It could be a whole lot of things that we could list as the reason why the gospel or the, the good news is so good. But in doing his, his research and studying from God's word, he drew the conclusion that the good news is good because it tells of God's glory through the face of Christ. And that was sort of where he landed and that was the the premise of his book as he prepared to write that. Everything sort of centered around that as he began to write this book, God is the gospel, or we could say God is the good news. This morning, the message is titled God, or excuse me, Jesus is glorious. Jesus is glorious. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there, if you will, in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1, 2, and 3, and then we're going to continue in some other passages that I've picked out for us here to look at this morning. But the message is titled, Jesus is Glorious. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about the reality of who Christ is. We've been talking a lot about His nature, His characteristics, His attributes, if you will, and we've We've talked about a lot of these and we've, we've worshipped him and we've thanked him for being who he is. But today we want to sort of hone in and this is sort of, I guess, the grand finale of it all as we, as we come to this last message from this series in looking at this truth that Jesus is glorious. And so we look at Hebrews chapter 1, starting with verse 1. You know, Hebrews is a, is a very interesting book to me. It's written in a little bit of a different way than most of the other books of the New Testament. But what I, what I love here about Hebrews is how it starts off. 
I love how it just gets right to the good stuff right off the bat. And what we see in Hebrews chapter 1 as we dive into this is that it's something really remarkable because at the very onset of this book, the author begins to dive into what makes the gospel such good news. Look at this with me, if you will. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. We read these words. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. How many of you are thankful that the Word of God describes our Savior, Jesus Christ, like that? Amen? I love that. There's so much in this message. I was, I was preparing for this message, and Linnell walked by, and I said, Hun, I've, uh, I've got about four points to this message, but the first two take about six hours. You reckon I ought to just knock the other two off? And, and she was like, that might be a good idea. I don't know how long we're going to be here today. No, I'm kidding. I tell you, there's so much in this text. I, I love how we see the first thing that is revealed in this Hebrews passage is the means by which we receive the good news, the means by which we receive the gospel. This is how the author of Hebrews chose to, to just dive into this writing that he is writing here, he, he says this, he says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And so he reveals this one means by which we receive the good news. The gospel message is that God chose to speak through the prophets. But we see as we continue reading in verse 2 that that the writer reveals that things have sort of changed as Jesus came on the scene. As we celebrate the birth of Christ, we know that Jesus, uh, he, he matured as a, as a young man and then launched his ministry and, 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 and carried out a ministry in which he was teaching and preaching. And so here the, the writer of Hebrews, he says, but in those last days... He has spoken to us by His Son, revealing that the good news came from Christ Himself. He says he, he was speaking to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things. And so the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news to, to everyone. The gospel is certainly good news to those of us who who know Christ and know what He has accomplished for us and believe in Him and follow Him and love Him and walk with Him. The gospel is good news because it's the story, as we talked about last night, of redemption. 
And the story is about Jesus, who is more than just a baby who was born in a manger, but he is our Savior. If Jesus is your Savior this morning, would you just say amen? 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 It's beautiful to think about. And so as we ponder over this question, what is it that, that makes the good news so good? I think it's important that we understand where the good news even comes from. Jesus himself, he said this in Luke's gospel, uh, he was revealing the fact that he came to bring this good news. And he says in Luke 4, verse 43, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. Look at what Jesus says, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus brings this good news. And that's good stuff to just sort of look at and to ponder and to think about. But the question now is, how is it that the gospel speaks of Jesus being so glorious? And that's where the writer of Hebrews just suddenly changes directions. He says, this is where the good news comes from. It came from the prophets of old, and it came from Jesus himself. And then immediately he begins to transition into revealing to us the glorious nature of Jesus Christ. One of the things that we see in our passage here that is really amazing to me, it's very encouraging to me, it's, it's something that helps me see the gospel or the good news as certainly beautiful, it certainly helps me see Jesus as glorious is the truth that in our passage we see that Jesus radiates the glory of God. Jesus radiates the glory of God. In fact, the, this passage is very clear that that is what it is communicating. Look at this with me, if you will, in verse 2. It says, but in the last days he has spoke to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Now look at verse 3. He is the radiance. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. So what does all this mean? What exactly does it mean that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God? Well, first of all, the glory of God is his beauty. The glory of God is his beauty. And it's his beauty that, that really stems from his nature, from his character. The glory of God, as we, as we process what the glory of God could possibly mean as we think about this truth that the glory of God is, is really just revealing to us the beauty of God. We must understand that this word glorious or the glory of God, it, it doesn't come from any sort of earthly sense that glorious might denote. It's not a visual beauty. It's not an artistic beauty. It's not a materialistic beauty. It's just simply the glory of God, that God in and of himself is beautiful. God in and of himself is glorious. And what we see here in this passage 
It's the glory of God. It's the essence of who He is. That's what we come to understand. It's the glory of God. That God is the essence of glorious. And the Scripture says here that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ radiates this glory of God, that Jesus Christ radiates the very essence of God. And so for John Piper, as he's writing this book and he's trying to understand and he's trying to process all of this, as he thinks about what it is that makes the good news so good, he begins to think about the glory of God and begins to understand that the gospel message not only is a message of our redemption, but it's also telling the truth of how glorious God is through the face of Christ. Now we're going to dive into this a little deeper as we go along here, but John Piper, he said this, he says, he says this, speaking of the glory of God, he says, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is because your soul is stuffed with the small things and there is no room for the great. I love that because he says, all of us, he's revealing to us, all of us should be longing for the glory of God, that we could see the beauty of God, not a beauty that comes from any sort of artistic or, or material means or earthly means, but that we should all, as believers in Christ Jesus, be longing to see the glory of God. And as we long to see the glory of God, all we have to do is look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. Because it's in his face. It's in who he is that we see the glory of God. He is the radiance of God's glory. Let me show you something here. I want to I dive into this a little deeper, and, and now you'll see why this one had to be cut short a little bit. We may have to keep preaching on this over the next few days. I'm just really captivated by all of this, but... But turn with me, if, to, if you will, to 2 Corinthians. I want to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look with me starting at verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Starting at verse 4. I want to, I want to show you something. I, I really don't want us to miss this. If we as believers in Christ Jesus want to see the glory of God, knowing that Jesus radiates the glory of God, then also knowing that all we have to do is look at Jesus to know the glory of God. I really don't want us to miss this. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to them, and he says these words, starting with verse 4. He says, in their case, the God of this world, speaking of Satan, he says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Now hang with me if you will. Has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, that is the good news of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He goes on to say, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God 
who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Look at this, in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's a lot, but what we see here in verse 4 is we see where Paul says that Satan or the devil has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. From what? Look at this. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of God. And so an enemy who seeks to kill and destroy, who seeks to harm us, who seeks to ruin our lives, this enemy, his purpose is to blind us from seeing what? What, does it, what is it that the enemy doesn't want us to see? What is it that could be possibly so good for us, something that could possibly be so beautiful to us that the enemy would want us to not see it at all? And what we see here is we look into this passage, we see something really amazing because as we look at this, it says to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of of Christ. In other words, the, the devil doesn't want us to see that Jesus is glorious. He doesn't want us to see this. He doesn't want us to know that Jesus is glorious, that he is beautiful, that he is beautiful by his own means. Who is the image of God. We have an enemy who would rather us not see God for who he is. The heart of the gospel, the heart of the good news is that Jesus is glorious and he is the image of God. Jesus radiates the glory of God. Jesus puts on display for us the glory of God. Jesus shows us the glory of God, the glorious image of God. Now look at verse 6 again. It says, for God who said, let light shine. Still in 2 Corinthians here, for God said, let light shine out of the darkness. In other words, let not the enemy hinder us from seeing the beauty and the glory of God, but rather let light shine out of darkness. And it has shone in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the victory that we have in the gospel. This is the victory that we have in salvation through Christ Jesus is now as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, we're no longer blinded to this reality that God is glorious and that God's glory is radiating from the very face of Christ Jesus. We can see perfectly now the glory of God. That's why we are here today. You see, this morning you woke up and you found it very valuable to come in and to worship Jesus. Otherwise, I don't think you would probably be here. We value God. We value 
Christ. We, we love and appreciate and we find ourselves so thankful to Jesus for who he is. And we know as believers in Christ Jesus that we see the glory of God through our Savior. Another thing that our passage in Hebrews, going back to Hebrews now for just a moment. I've got one minute and 27 seconds. May take a tad bit longer than that. But the other thing that I just want us to walk away with here this morning is that Jesus is the very essence of God. This is important for us to see. Because I don't want you walking away just thinking that Jesus is like a mirror who just radiates the glory of God. He is the glory of God. And what we see is the writer of Hebrews takes this even further and dives even deeper into this truth that Jesus is glorious. He reveals to us that Jesus is the very essence of God. He says in verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God. And look at this, and the exact imprint of his nature. He is a carbon copy. He is God. And so what we see here is that Jesus is the very essence of God. He's this exact imprint. He is God. Last night we were singing at our Christmas Eve service and we sang and we spoke about Jesus being called in Scripture Emmanuel and how the importance of that word it means so much to us because what it means is literally God with us. And how the scriptures point to this truth that there would be a baby who would be born in a manger. And as this baby would be born, his name would be what? His name would be Emmanuel. God with us. Could you just say that with me this morning? Could you speak this truth this morning? That when Jesus was born, his name was Emmanuel, which means to us, God with us us. Jesus is the very essence of God. God is with us. He came down. How? He came down in the person of His Son. He came down. Why? To rescue us from our sin. To save us from our sin. God with us. Speaking of Jesus in his gospel testimony, John says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the essence of God. Charles Spurgeon, he once said this, and I love this, he says, wherever Christ is, there is God. And wherever Christ, whatever Christ does is the act of the Most High. Oh, he says, it is the joyful truth to consider that he who redeemed us was none other than God himself. Jesus was more than just a baby born in a manger. Jesus also revealed this truth in John 14 when Philip says in verse 8, he says, Lord, show us the Father 
and it is enough for us. I mean, can you imagine exactly what it is that Philip is saying? He's saying, you know, just show us the Father, Jesus. He's saying to Jesus, he is saying to the one who came to this earth to be with us, God himself, God with us. And Philip says to him, just show us the Father. And Jesus replies to Philip when he says, he says this in verse 9. He says, have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is glorious. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is the very essence of God. I know that this truth can seem very puzzling to us at first. The Trinity is is actually a very complicated theology. It's something that a lot of people sort of stay away from because it's so hard and so difficult sometimes to explain But one of the reasons that we probably find this a bit puzzling, this truth, this this theological truth, is that we grow up as children so often studying just the historical Jesus, that is the man Jesus. We fail to look with any depth who exactly Jesus is and why is it that Jesus was really even born in a manger to begin with. And we, we fail to realize that Jesus came to this earth He came to this earth. He was born as a baby. And it wasn't an accident that he went to the cross. He came for this purpose. He came to be born in a manger only to go to the cross one day. And it would be there that he would die on the cross. Only to be buried in a borrowed tomb. And only to defeat death and sin by raising from the grave. And who lives today. Do we celebrate that today? Do we have to wait to Easter to celebrate that Jesus is alive? Absolutely not. Easter is part of the Christmas story. Did you realize that? The Christmas story is the beginning. The Easter story is just the pinnacle of it all. It's the good news of Christ Jesus. And it is the glory of Christ that makes the good news so good. It's such a beautiful thing to think about. I remember... Right after high school, uh, graduating, and yes, I can remember back that far, but I remember graduating after high school, and, and, and one of my best friends began to share the gospel with me. He began to share the gospel, and I'm almost done. In fact, I'm going to ask Janetta, wherever she is, she can come on up if she'd like. But I remember one of my friends, he began to share the gospel with me, and up to that point, I would be what most people would call a churchgoer. That's all I could ever have labeled myself because that's all I ever really did was just go to church. I didn't know Jesus. I certainly didn't understand why he had came. I'd heard the Christmas story. I'd heard the Easter story. I, I didn't really grasp it all. But, but my friend, he began to share the gospel with me. He began to dive deeper into the, the purpose of Christ Jesus. And I remember my friend Andy as he as he spoke about Jesus and the reality that he is the very essence of God, that he is indeed the Son of God. I remember all of that sort of coming to life for me. And I remember coming to a place in my life realizing that 
that I personally had to ask the question, who is Jesus? Every person, every individual on this planet must one day answer the question that Jesus once asked His disciples when He says, who do people say that I am? You know what's remarkable about that story? Is there was a whole variety of answers. They started saying, well, that some say this and some say that. That's exactly what we have today, isn't it? And then Jesus made it real personal. Jesus says, okay, well then who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I pray, I hope and pray that our answer this morning can be much like Peter's answer to Jesus when he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who do you say Jesus is? It's one of the most important questions you could ever ask yourself. In just a moment, Spence is going to come up here and he's going to lead us in that last song. And our pastors will be down front. I'll be down front. Linnell will be down front. If, if you would just like to talk to anyone about who Jesus is, we are certainly here for you. We, we can be the last ones to leave today if that's what it takes. We're in no hurry to get out of this, this place if you want the answer to who Jesus is. But our pastors will be down front if you want to come and pray with them. Or maybe you just want to come to this altar and spend some time with God, maybe lifting up your family and friends. I know that for us, we're going to be with family and friends all week. And, you know, I just pray that those family members, those, those friends and families that I'm going to be hanging out with over the holidays, I, I hope they can answer that question, who does Jesus say that he is? I hope, I mean, who do they say that Jesus is? I hope that they too will be able to, to ask that, answer that question. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. So maybe today you want to come and just spend some time in prayer, praying for our family and our friends praying for our community, praying for our world, that we would be able to proclaim the truth of the gospel and that people would know Jesus, not this season as just a baby who was born in a manger in all of his humanity, but that he was a Savior who was born unto us in all of his divinity. I'm going to pray for us. And then you respond however it is that God is leading you to respond. Father, we are thankful today, God, for, for your glory. Your radiance. Lord, your beauty. And God, I for one, I love how the, how the Scriptures teach us that you need no one 
You need no one to reveal that to anyone else because your beauty comes from the very essence of who you are. Lord, we're thankful that your glory doesn't come from an earthly way of measuring, that it's not by artistic or material means, but your glory comes from who you are as our God. And Father, we are thankful for this time of the year where we can celebrate the goodness of the gospel, the goodness of the good news, and that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I'm thankful for a faith family that values coming in on a Christmas morning to worship you knowing and understanding that that's what it's all about to begin with. Father, I'm thankful that for Linnell and I, we could find so much joy in hearing the voices of your people sing praises to your name this morning. As the music softly prayed, God, we found ourselves offering our praises and our thanksgivings and our acknowledgments to you. And Lord, knowing that you are worthy of our worship. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you would send your son to us who would be born in a manger to go to a cross, to die on a cross, to be buried in a grave, and to be raised from the dead, giving us life. Father, we're thankful for a Holy Spirit who dwells within us as the Son resides at the right hand of the Father. Father, thank You for who You are. Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for what You have done in our life. Lord, we praise You. And we thank You. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen.